going into the neighborhood that we moved into, there was a gang there, and it was called the Renegades. For one day, another organization came into the neighborhood, and then they had one palm out in the pinky end, and their color was red. And they sat down with this other organization and made them an offer they couldn't refuse. And now I started my journey into following what I know now is the Mongol law. So my name is Sunny uh, Fatpaito. Um, I was born Samoan, come from a Samoan family. Um, brought up in a predominated Māori community. Uh, so I like to believe that I was bred Māori. Um, yeah, and um, came from a very loving home. Um, Mormon home, a good mother, um, and a good stepfather, and um, been in the mall for quite a while now. So we're looking at healing, and um, and doing the best that we can to be able to offer opportunities, not only for our men but also for our wahine, that they are able to work on self so that they're able to reach their potentials, not only for them and their families, but also in terms of what our cause is trying to achieve as a collective. Um, you know, most of the people that uh, come to me have come from families or parents who have gone through the state care system. And because of that, um, they have struggled in life. I guess it's um, through all the atrocities and stuff that went on behind closed doors with state care and the intergeneration traumas that have been passed down through parents who haven't had the opportunity to find him or to even to express what they went through or even have the courage to do so. Um, at the end of the day, um, and how my view is that this is how the gangs became. It became through those who actually went through state care. The majority of it is. Um, coming out of those spaces and being very disconnected to family, to family. And um, because of who we are as a people, we need to be able to connect to our own. And so out in the wilderness, uh, these some of these people were met people out there with either the same reason or very similar reasons, looking for a sense of belonging, a sense of identity, looking for another family. And, um, and from that um, became the gangs. So, you know, this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that... Um, as years and decades have gone on and um, people have come and uh, born into these into these families you know, they come and they're broken and it doesn't matter who you are we all carry trauma in our own right there is me as a as a rangatira 
amongst the people who look for me, it is them they give me the mana to be the leader that I am. And when they do do that, they are telling me that they trust me. And they trust me to offer them the guidance and direction to provide wisdom and knowledge, to be able to give them philosophy, to help them find their way in the world. There is no sense in me as a leader to want the best of these people when they're not even giving it to themselves. When we're looking at parenting, or the word parenting, if you would describe it in one word, I would say it's thinking. And it's about teaching our people how to think. Um, so when we look at the mahi that went on, uh, this is one of many that's been going on. Uh, this mahi has started for me in the early 90s when I went in through the institutions of the prisons and the things that have been on in there for me and for those who shared those spaces with me in that time. And so, um, once again, when I looked at the man that I was spending time with in prison, it was like, you know, these men are doing huge and huge amount of time. And they really need to be able to utilize that time to better themselves. Otherwise they get lost. They'll go right back out and they'll pick up where they left off, thinking that in those days you could get away with things, not knowing how well out here has changed tremendously. It's, you know, most of the people in prison don't even get visits. And visits are important because it's not only about re-energizing oneself, but it's also about being aware of what's actually really happening out in the world. And if you've got good people that come in and see you, and they will tell you exactly what's going on, then you'll be able to get a gauge on how the world is moving, how this country is moving, what one has to do to be able to um, better oneself to move in those times, all that kind of stuff. So, and we were quite successful. We were quite successful. Um, and as I came out here in the open, I found myself doing exactly what I was doing in there, out here. And um, so what we saw on the weekend it's just a continuation of the good works that have been going on for decades. The difference, I guess, is that now that the new generations have come, you know, they are starting to see the value in the work that's happening. Why? It's because a lot of them realize they're not all the so-called people that are in the gang space are going to live that nefesh life of bling bling, money, only a small percentage of people in that space will live that life at the expense of the majority of the people that will do whatever they need to do to serve because they're just feeling like they just want to be part of family. They want to do the things that 
are going to get the support that they need that they don't have, not knowing the bigger picture. And so what I see is that when people see their kind of life, to be honest, in many ways, it's just a smoking mirror. It's a smoking mirror, and people need to understand it. Yeah, sure, you know, it's it's money, It's you look good, but it comes at a price. And the price is, is that when that eventually comes to an end, when you get the knock at the door that you dread, and then you find yourself in those institutions that I talked about, one person in jail is a family in jail. And now we look at collateral damage where family now have to do everything they can to try and support their loved one that's in prison. And they may not have been fortunate to be able to have the resources at their fingertips. It just becomes another liability for them. And, and who we are in terms of as people, we will, we will go without to try and provide for our own. That's why I totally believe that love is built on sacrifice. I've seen it so many times. Well, you know, I just believe that it just really depends on who's leading and who's in the power position. And because, you know, if we look at the Mongol mob world in terms of what is Mongolism, you know, each to their own. Uh, each rangatira uh, that sits in the power position of, for their people, um, in terms of how he views the world, um, will depend on uh, what he's been exposed to in his upbringing, uh, the mentoring he got in those processes and then looking at how he um, fans that out or portrays that out to the people. So you do get some brothers and sisters that are in these organizations that do have a caring heart and, um, you know, and do want to share love because they never had it. You know, sometimes you have to understand that you can go through and not be the and um, like I say, is that you, there are good leaders out there who are wanting to do the best that they can for their own. And if that means providing tools, is it providing whatever it takes to better the individuals or the Roku, the family, however you want to put it, you know, then more power to us all. Well, like I said, I was uh, brought up in a Samoan home. And um, I was born in Tokoro, uh, south of Waikato. Uh, my mum brought us here to Hamilton, Kirikiriro, um, to find better opportunities. We moved into a neighbourhood that a lot of people would be able to resonate and low economic neighborhood. Uh, we were the very first Samoan family uh, in the area that we took up residence. And um, I remember as a young as a young man or young kid um, watching men 
sitting around on the floor uh, with green legs uh, that were bears, tattoos, talking about the empowerment and development of the Aina, of the family. And so, um, and it was about service. Our family would always do what we can to help other families. Um, and it was all that kind of stuff. Now, going into the neighborhood that we moved into, there was a gang there, and it was called the Renegades. Now, this, this gang um, was green, and their sign was the old thumbs out. Now, when I used to watch this gang, because, you know, some of the kids that were my age, they were their families. Um, they used to be able to go around to the neighborhood and take, uh, you know, the karaoa or a kaumatua or queer uh, people who needed to go to whether it be doctor's appointments or shopping, but never had a vehicle and they were offered their vehicles and go and take these people there. Uh, they would also um, help some of their mums or fathers. We had a lot of mouths to feed, but not a lot of food, and they'll go in those spaces and offer kai there. Um, also, uh, maintenance work uh, within the community, um, helping people that uh, either didn't have the appliances to be able to mow lawns, uh, or perhaps needed a little bit of hand to help cut hedges. But at the end of the day, what I saw is I saw these men serving the community. And, um, and the, the love and the respect they got from the residents, from that community, I was able to identify and I says, well, hey, that's exactly what we do in our family. And, it, and, and I really admired that. And I thought, that's what I want to be. I want to be like these men, to be able to do exactly what I hear in my household get talked about, and I see out here these men are doing the same thing, and I want to be able to follow that. So one day, another organization came into the neighborhood, and then they had one thumb out and the pinky out, and their color was red. And they sat down with this other organization and made them an offer they couldn't refuse. So what I saw was I saw now the, the thumbs out grew a finger, pinky, and the color was red. And now it started my journey into following what I know now is the Mongol mob. Uh, the, the mob then sent in one of their youngest members who fell in love with one of our hood princesses and he moved in with her. Now, when we were living in this neighborhood, we were kind of like living in a bubble. We never ventured out. We stayed in the space. And now we had this guy who's come in from the outside and, um, and now he's talking to us about taking us out and venturing out into the city. And as I um, started to follow him and others, that's when we started realizing that, um, holy, we're going into areas we've never been to, 
and we were finding ourselves in uh, a whole lot of fisticuffs, a whole lot of fights. The mob leaders that were, you know, that I looked up to, um, they were good men. They were men, they were carrying trauma, obviously. I, I wasn't unable to identify it back then. Um, not knowing, you know, uh, about, you know, what their upbringings were. Um, and I've stuck hard to that. I've really just stuck hard of just continuing to do good, you know, the best I could. But when we look at moving into and associating with other Mangalmog chapters, it was plain and it was a lot different. Um, you know, there was a lot of there was a lot of violence. Uh, there was a lot of um, not so much what you see, but it's how you felt around it. You know, it was just quite hostile at times. Um, yeah. So as a young young lad. Um, just trying to feel it out as best I could, meeting people and just mimicking what uh, the senior members would do in terms of when they would come together with other organisations. And it was, wasn't, um, what I did notice in terms of our, our senior members too was that they didn't really go out of their way to go out and meet other, you know, other mob chapters. Actually, it was just other mob chapters that would actually come into our areas, and we really met them more so that way, as opposed to going out and meeting them. For me, I just hung on to my values, and to my morals, and to my principles, and never really waved or went off that. You know, uh, what I saw in terms was right, was right. What I saw was in terms of not so right, understanding and being able to identify what was wrong. And then just for me, just doing everything I can to just do the best I could in a righteous way. When people look up to me and, uh, and I, I see myself as a parent and doing everything I can to look after the people, they really depend on me to give them the guidance and direction that they need. And uh, it doesn't matter what space I find myself in. I'll stick to those values and I'll stick to it, you know, and um, you just make the best I can with it. If And if I mean standing on people's toes um, and making sure that I wasn't going to be influenced what my better intuition was telling me, it wasn't right, no matter who it was or what the situation was, I'll stay, I will stay in fact to what I believe in. You know, there's a lot of agencies out there that have the resources to be able to help those in the hard to reach basket. But what I find in my experiences and what I've seen is that nobody wants to, to touch it. And um, so the, these kids, or even these people, you know, what happens to them? You know, we can have, we can sit there, we can moan about you know, people doing this and people doing... I mean, look at the ram raids for crying out loud. You know, how my view on the ram raids is this is what happens when the when the um, education system is not happening for our children. You know, what goes on in those, um, in those spaces at school. You know, and, and for example, you know, I, I take my boy to school 
and we will pick up some of his mates along the way at times at bus stops and I would hear them talking about how they just want out from school and you know with my son a lot of his mates are actually uh, Pakis and it's sad for me to hear it you know when they're talking and you know, I never understood why you know they would think that you know because I know that you know they my son grew up with them and their family struggled just as much as you know most families do but these boys were excellent rugby players and they saw that as the opportunity to freedom and then um, as you dig into it a little bit more you do a little bit of research you know and then you find out that you know some of these kids at school are singled out you know and uh, singled out in a, in a negative way uh, you know, they're very selective on who plays in their first and second 15. You know, if you don't come from families that they consider as, uh, that they can rely on to to help them, you know, they're going to make your, they're going to make them very uncomfortable. Well, you know, it's all about, you know, politics is all about, you know, trying to get the, the votes they want, you know, at the expense of, you know, whatever. You know, for me personally, the only attacks uh, that we had to make, verbal attacks we had to make, was to stand up for the work that we worked hard for, for our people. You know, we had the situation where Simon Bridges and Simeon and Judith, you know, talking about the kingdom and talking about it had sort of smoke screen and. You know, they're just doing a lot of crap and they're just trying to fool everybody. We do the best we can. You know, for me, is I understand the struggle's real. You know, and I do everything I can to try and encourage our people to make the right decisions and choices. But at the end of the day, uh, it all comes down to people's choices. Life is about choices. Some may make the decisions and choices they shouldn't make and should think twice about. And if that happens, then they have to own it. And, that, and that's the areas there where you get these politicians attacking to try and say, well, this person's done that, so they all do it. These, they don't see, you know, what really goes on. They don't want to take the time to actually come down, sit with us, talk with us. And you'll never find what you don't look for. You'll never find what you don't look for. And so we found ourselves having to protect our integrity and our money because it wasn't easy work. Not every gang member is a criminal and not every criminal is a gang member. Things in this country are changing and for the most part it ain't nice. Especially the people that are in poverty areas. You know, and you know, and there are going to be people out there that are going to get out there and do what they ever got to do to survive. I mean, it's the end of living and the beginning of survival. This is what's happening. Well, me personally, in, in my experiences, is the, is the behavior and the conduct on how the police, you know, are to our people. Look, we, we've liaised with cops um, for decades. Why? It's because there are times when you have to sit down and you have to talk to them. What are those times? Well, you know, sometimes when there's a death in the family, 
in the police recording and then you have to work alongside them uh, to be able to be part of the process of um, taking care of your loved ones. Um, any other concerns that we may have as a community, as gang community, you know, you have to sit down with them and talk with them. And the attitude back in the years ago, it wasn't so bad. It was good. You know, they'll listen to what you have to say and vice versa, and then you find mediation great, and you work towards it. But now, it's all about divide, rule and conquer. That's just my view. Say you reap what you sow. You know I don't rely on anyone else. Because people let you down. It's a matter of what agency. You know, for us, for us to achieve the things that we have to do for ourselves, we rely on ourselves and be independent on me. Yeah, we've tried over the years, we've tried to work alongside different agencies or ministries, whatever. But they'll only go so far with you. And then they'll leave you. Why? It's because then whoever the people that associate with them starts coming down on them. So I don't really want to rely on people that are going to let you down. And I sit there and I talk to our people that there are some people out there that will help you. And then when they do take a leap of faith and saying, okay, let's meet these people. And then you introduce them and then down the track, they disappear. They don't want to be tarnished by the brush. I'm totally over it. You know, it's, um, you don't know who to trust anymore. And you just got to do it yourself. When a, when a leader is loved by his people, many things can be accomplished. If the people want it, they'll make it happen. All of the, those people in the power positions within the gang community. But there is a turn of the tide for our people. We do need to look at what's really going to happen and how it's going to affect our people. I've seen nothing but horror. Are we going to just stand there and watch it? Bringing new laws in and they to dismantle our, our way of life? Are we just going to sit there and hope that it's all going to go away? Or are we going to find the courage to be able to stand up and fight for something? There comes a time we have to stand for something, otherwise you're just going to fall for anything. So it is about principles, it is about who you are, not being able, being afraid to express that. So I believe that our leaders need to understand that, just like us with the police, sometimes you got to sit down with the people you don't want to sit down with for the common good, or whatever the situation may be. And that's what the leaders we need to understand that we can't allow colours to be the block of something or storm that's coming from the horizon. That's coming for our babies. It's coming 
We are all people. It's coming for our good friends. We have to learn how to fight a political fight, a good fight. And we've got to be able to put ego aside. Find a common ground for the greater good for all our, all our finding. That's what a good leader will do. It's not about him. It's about the people that depend on him to give them a better way of life. To be able to give hope to our children that they still under, under all the madness, under all the chaos, that there is their life for them. To be able to find their place in the world and be who they want to be whether it's putting a patch on or not putting a patch on or putting a suit on. We've got to be able to give them that hope is still there.